Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode, at a t- <laughs> one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Penny Cox, our guest once more, actress, filmmaker, e-reader, co-host of Reading Glasses, writer, director of 12-Hour Shift, writer of the upcoming graphic novel, Mary. It's Bria Grant. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gave you so many things to say at the beginning, and now you have to, like, say them all. No, to be fair, feel you, bad. <laughs> you gave me two things, and I added the rest. Okay. All right. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> this is not like you, you handed me your entire CV and was like, read this all. <laughs> Don't let them forget that I was also on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um oh yes well let's remind everyone because your uh, movie 12 hour shift comes out on vod today um today. as this episode drops so what is it about what why you know where can people find it, it? what's 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 the deal it's you can find it on vod i don't exactly know where i assume like itunes and stuff i don't know um but all the, you all the VOD places. A, yes, all the VOD. And it's um it's a dark comedy slash horror about um a bunch of nurses who are selling organs on the black market in the nineties. And it's funny and it's gory and it's silly and kind of crass. Um and it stars Angela Bettis and um David Arquette and Mick Foley make an appearance and it's super fun. And I wrote and directed it and um please 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 go watch it. It's been um the cast and crew worked really hard on it, and I feel bad because we were supposed to premiere at Tribeca, and then COVID happened, and so any fe- we were booked for so many festivals, and they all got canceled. So it, any way you can support us would be so nice because we've had kind of a crap year. Everyone has, but we definitely I, I feel bad because my cast was really excited, and um, they got a little screwed. Yeah, it's it's not fair, um, <laughs> but I am glad that everybody gets to see this movie. And everybody should. Y'all got to support this cast and crew. Um, you know, give them the ovation that we're not allowed to give in person right now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I, um, uh, Magnolia did end up buying it, and they've been very supportive and nice, and they're getting it all the places. So that that's cool. That's really great. I'm happy to hear it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end as well. And also your graphic novel we have coming up. We have. Yeah, it's like I totally helped. Um, <laughs> but first, let's talk about season one, episode 22 of Freddy's Nightmares. This is the season one finale, Safe Sex. Um, it originally premiered on May 28th, 1989. Here's what you could have watched in theaters instead that weekend. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> Big movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think everybody was doing that rather than watching this, probably. Very, very possible. Because this was a Friday night thing, right? They always came out on Fridays? Um, it was Sunday nights. So oh, Sunday night. Sunday night, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe the Indiana Jones crowd had trickled a little bit, but this is still day three of Indiana Jones and the Last yes. Crusade. So. Ooh, tough. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not, the, not the best uh, counter-programming here. Um, yes, the writer of this episode was David J. Scow, um, who wrote Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Critters 3 and 4, The Crow. He's a novelist. He also wrote nonfiction. He is a prolific writer. Wow. Um, and also the director of this episode is Jerry Olson. He was the production manager for Elm Street 3. Um, so, you know, that's kind of his, his toehold into this universe. Um, the cast I was looking up, 
not a whole bunch of note, but uh, the one of the leads, Patrick Day, he was on 95 episodes of a teen soap opera called Tribes that I had not heard of, but seems fascinating. Wow. Maybe that's your next series. You'll do Tribes. Yeah. Oh, out of so, <laughs> so many episodes. I can barely handle the 44 that this one is throwing at me. But, you know, if more donations come rolling in, I, I can't resist. <laughs> Tribes. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't even, yeah, I'll have to look that up. It seems very interesting. Um, but anyway, so the plot of this episode um, we're open on this teen boy, Dana. He's on the, his analyst, Dr. DeVries' couch. This doctor may be the worst analyst in the history of the world. <laughs> it's very true. At one point, I don't know what scene it was, but at one point he's like, he's like, don't laugh at me, doctor. Which I was like, what kind of asshole doctor would laugh at you? You know, like, that's so rude that you even have to say that. Yeah, clearly there's a precedent here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but the, the doctor, the first thing he says is, do you mind if I smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Just in the middle of their session. Mm -hmm. um, and then he's trying to make Dana calm and, like, open up to him. And he's like, look, even I have an analyst. And I don't dig my heels so deep into his couch. And I was like, that is... That is sexy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does sound more like more of an implication of something not. Yeah, who knows? What is he talking about? Yeah, I never know. This man is not suited for his job, but <laughs> that that comes out more in later scenes. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So we get the promise you won't laugh moment. And basically, he's finally starts spilling his guts to the analyst. He's saying, well, I'm not into the girl next door type. Um, cue the guitar riffs. <laughs> oh my god. Can we just talk about for a second, why was the music so loud? The music was incredibly loud, and I don't know if it was the mix or what I was listening to. Was it really loud when, on what you were listening to? It was extremely loud. Okay, um, what yes. is going on? <laughs> I, I can't always tell if it was the original intention of the mixer to be this way, or if it's because it's the kind of VHS rip of a VHS rip quality of what we're able to access. <laughs> Right, but there were times I literally could not hear the dialogue. I had no idea what they were saying because it was so loud. And it was all the guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah, the, there is an over-eager electric guitarist and an over-eager saxophonist later on. <laughs> that just anytime anything remotely interesting happens, they're like, it is careless whisper time. Let's go, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're in the library. Um Dana and his friend Nicholas, who is a real chandler. <laughs> he, <laughs> he always has a quip up his sleeve. Oh yeah, ready with it. Oh, um, and they're they're observing uh, the rock, the aforementioned rocker chick Caitlin, um, who Nicholas calls the Wicked Witch of the Midwest. <laughs> and, like, and she's, by the way, when we were introduced to her, God, she looks cool, honestly. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, this is very a very cool-looking girl that I would have been very obsessed with also. Like, thought she was so rad. But she, for some reason, is, like, rubbing her face a lot in the opening scene. Did you notice? I did not notice. It was very weird. And I was like, why? Maybe this is going to come back. And then it had nothing to do with anything. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe, like, that's the kind of thing I have been noticing more because we're not supposed to touch our faces right now. Mm, um, maybe that's why you're not. So maybe that's why your brain like put a flag on it. You're like, oh, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Very possible. Um, but yeah, so they're like, oh, you know, she's so goth and sexy. She doesn't own a single article of clothing that isn't black. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Is that abnormal? Like, that's most of the wardrobes of the people I knew in high school. Yeah, yeah. And she also has on a a really wild wig that doesn't quite fit. Um, that I, but it, but it is cool. That's like grayish purple, kind of. Is that what color it looked on your screen? Yes, it's it's a mystery wig. It reaches to the heavens. It's it's a it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> Yeah, it goes on for days, for sure. Uh, but but someone teased the hell out of that thing and like blessed them. God, and I'm glad it was a wig because hair teasing is one of the most torturous activities known to humankind. And so big in the 80s. Like, I mean, just think of all the hair that was broken through teasing. Oh, Although sometimes I'll still tease my hair. It gives great volume. You know, I, I can't oh, yeah. say that, that, I, that I don't occasionally take part in the teasing. Oh, look, I love the result. It's just, it is a painful experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> I despise mm-hmm. it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, not important right now. Um, so basically, she's reading a book on Freddy Krueger that she's checked out from the school library. And good for this library for, you know, not banning books, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the book that, like, you know, if someone reads it, they're going to start having nightmares and end up dead. Keep it in the library. <laughs> yeah, like, Right on the shelf. I am not a proponent of banning books, but maybe this one? <laughs> this, is, this might be one where you should really, you know, we talk about this a lot on our podcast where I think that, like, books should be available because you should be able to learn from them, you know, even, like, the worst books. Like, they sh- you should be able to, like, do research with them. But this is one I think um, maybe you need to get rid of. Yeah, it is an active risk to, to open this book. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically the Chandler, wh- whatever his name is, Nicholas, um, he immediately seizes on the fact that she's reading about Freddy and gets really freaked out and starts just flat out insulting her, even though he knows that his best friend has a crush on her. Um, and she's like, you don't understand. Freddy was a god. He understood things. Um, which, that was a good impression. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I do think that this character does track to me as that kind of like high school goth character who thinks that they're deeper than everybody else, but kind of isn't. I absolutely I actually thought that she was decently written like she was because yes. at one point she gets into like the power of being different and walking down the hall with that power. And I was like, yeah, I did know you in high school. Like, it's not that wild of a character. Yeah, like she she's someone completely recognizable where she's trying to be scary in a way that is part you know just the fact that she's not naturally like you know sunshine and rainbows like gets talked about later but also she's leaning in extra hard and you can see the kind of flop sweat artifice of it at the same time because like teenagers are trying to build a personality Right, exactly. And you know I identify with that because I feel like in high school I also was like I'm rebellious for rebellious sake. And that was very important to me. Oh, <laughs> and there yes. was nothing for nothing that I really was rebelling against for the most part, but I was going to rebel. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah, that's the thing. Like you can you either were or knew this character. Yes, exactly. Um and as as Nicholas calls her, she is a new wavo gravo wavo. <laughs> <laughs> and then the writer on this had a lot of fun a lot of fun writing these guys really and yeah and nicholas then proceeds to call freddy krueger a glazed dog nut which is it's a lot it's uh, it's evocative yes my my boyfriend was watching this with me and he paused it and he was like did he say glazed dog nut and i was like yeah let's let's bring that back in fact there were several phrases in this that i was like 
I'd be down with bringing some of these phrases. I don't know if that was ever a phrase to bring back. I think that that was just the writer having a good time. Oh, uh, yeah. There's no way anyone outside of this television show has said that phrase, I hope. <laughs> I'd be happy if they did, though. Oh, I, yeah. I'm like, I like the creativity of it. Yeah, it's it's really, it's very clever. It's not something, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's one of those things where you're like, I have never heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then he also says, she is bad news at 6 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> which i enjoyed that was very funny oh yeah honestly i i do not like the character of nicholas but his jokes are frequently on point yeah yeah and he delivered them well i thought that, they, that he did a good job yes um yeah like yeah not this is not a knock on the writing or the performance it's just nicholas Mm-mm. is a despicable teenage boy <laughs> yeah 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 it's supposed to be yeah exactly um okay so we pan past a bookshelf. Freddie knocks down some of the books. He's like, knowledge is power, but there are some girls you shouldn't go to pieces over. Um, not really a pun, but he's going for it. <laughs> yeah, he tried. Yeah. Um, so basically, he's back at the analyst. He talks, uh, or Dana talks about having dreams about Caitlin. And then we see one of these dreams. It involves them in Freddie's kind of boilery area. They have a meeting by a dragon statue with glowing red eyes, which is <laughs> a very forward decorating choice from Freddie, and I, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, he, he helps her escape through a vent, but then Freddie pops out of the vent. He wakes up shirtless with a headphone cord wrapped around his neck, which was... And by the way, he waits so long at that vent. She goes through, and then I was like, why isn't he going through? Why isn't he going through? Why isn't he going through? Like, I, I feel like I thought that like three times and then Freddie showed up. It was a very long beat that I was like, maybe they just needed to fill extra time in this episode or something. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. he, he, just, he was meditating on her escape. He was uh, setting an intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Visualizing. Yeah. And for as like pervy as these teenage boys were, he puts her, he like shoves her through, but like doesn't comment on her butt. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a butt comment. And then it was just nothing. And I was like, well, what was that moment that he just waited around for Freddie to show up? Yeah, it, I don't know. It's better than a butt comment, but it I is so. it is nothing. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're back at the analyst, and he's like, have you ever talked to your friend Nicholas about this? And, and Dana's like, have you ever tried to talk sex stuff with a teenage boy? And I'm just like, does this count as sex stuff? <laughs> <laughs> like i i get that you have a crush on the girl but meeting by a dragon statue is i mean i'm sure that's built into somebody's kink somewhere but it just it's it's not i don't know it, very specific it doesn't very specific i mean maybe that's what he thinks sex is meeting by a dragon statue that's, that is what he's, like, been taught. Yeah, his sex like, education when, hasn't been done, gone very well. Yeah, his, his parents were like, when a man and a woman love each other very much, they meet by the dragon statue. <laughs> the eyes glow, and he helps her through uh, a little uh, yeah, hole. Style. And wait, waits for Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yes. Okay, so um, Nicholas comes to him at school. He hands him, like, a sexy advice book. Cue the saxophone. This is where the saxophone comes in and drowns out the rest of the scene. Um, yeah. And what is the advice book called? It's called, like, How to Date Women or something, right? Yeah, it's, like some... it's called, like, Seven Tips on Seducing Women or Getting a Woman to Getting Any Woman to Fall for You or something like that. Yeah, I love that um, that guy was just carrying that book around. Like, he was just walking around with that book, and he's like, you know what you need. And then he hands he yeah. hands him that book. He's like, this is, I just keep this on me, just in case you need advice on how to get women. Oh, yeah. And 
this this is not the the greatest day for the prop designer on this show um because this no. book clearly has a four by six glossy photograph of a, a lady just taped to the front of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was like they decided to make this book part of it like five minutes before they're like make a book and they're like what make a book and then they had to like put together this random book yeah it just looks like a trapper keeper with a photo taped on, on the top mm-hmm. yeah 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 um but so okay so nicholas goes to meet his girlfriend suki um she works at the cheesy boy which is a pizza restaurant that has taken over for beefy boy which was a burger restaurant that has featured in a lot of these episodes <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is the really, the only consistent through line of this show is the the decline and fall of Beefy Boy, and I, I like to track it. <laughs> and his girlfriend smells like watermelon gum or something, some insult like that. Yeah, the people really hate that she chews bubblegum all the time. And yeah, he's like, is why do you like her? She's always chewing watermelon bubblegum. Woof, woof. Yeah, which smells delicious. Yeah. <laughs> watermelon gum is a great smelling gum. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the problem, and this is her character trait because everyone brings it up, and they hate it. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah, so he looks at the book. Instead of the four by six of the woman on the front, it's now a four by six of Freddy, and he just throws the book to the ground. It's <laughs> like ah. <laughs> um, so basically, the end. This is where the analyst really reveals his cards. As maybe he doesn't even have a degree, um, but he says like. Why don't you try turning the dreams up to 11? Teens are supposed to have rich fantasy lives, aren't they? And it's like, <laughs> you tell me you're the doctor. <laughs> horrible, horrible analyst. Someone needs to turn this guy in. Yeah, and just the analyst is like, why don't you just fuck her in your dreams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he's saying. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a move. Yeah, you know, it didn't seem like he had any other advice. At least he was like, kind of listening, so. Yeah, I guess. Um, what I found most interesting about that scene, though, is that we're already quoting Spinal Tap all the time, apparently, because he says the turn up to 11 thing, and that seemed, oh, that's yeah. already been built into the <laughs> the lexicon of the culture. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, you, you know, he's, he's up with the times, at least. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so basically he does have a sex dream about Caitlyn. Um, he imagines that his his friend and then his mom are kind of like leaning over them as they have sex rocky horror style like the touch a touch a touch me scene yeah and it's just the part where he's like he he like is like well i actually wish you were blonde that's this part right oh yeah oh i forgot to write that down that's it yeah he like kind of crafts her out of his fantasies which is so weird because the the show opens with him going I like my women a little weird or whatever. I don't like a normal girl. But what he really wants in this dream is he wants to take this goth girl and then change her into, like, a real normie blonde who is naked. Like, that's all he wants. It's like he wants the goth girl, but he would like her to be, like, actually a normal blonde girl. And I don't understand. Like, it wasn't the whole thing that he's into, like, weird, satanic girls. That's what he likes, like, goth girls. But then it turns out, no. Yeah, look, the mind of the teen boy is amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he is incredibly inconsistent. And I, yeah, it, yeah, no, good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it is kind of gross in general. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, I want to be exactly like everyone that everyone's mm-hmm. supposed to fantasize about. 
Yeah, yeah. I, all of these things I've told you, how I like this weird girl. As it turns out, no, I want her to be real normal looking. That's my fantasy. Um, yeah. I do. Her her wig is glorious. It's like a blonde Jessica Rabbit, like flowy tresses. Um, oh, yeah. Which I would love to, you know, have that wig and just like play with it. But she actually had a number of great wigs because wasn't she a redhead at one point, too? So she oh, like, yeah. goes through a number of really great wigs. Like, I thought all of them were quite good. Yeah. The redhead wig is most interesting because it looks like a kind of spiked like like a drought tolerant plant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it had a succulent vibe for sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so in the scene where she is blonde and they are having sex in his dream, the mom's like, "How dare you sleep with my son?" And she's like, points a gun at Caitlin. But then <laughs> this is this is where they really capture dream imagery in a way that is truly perplexing. But Caitlin is now smoking like a floating cigar that. <laughs> yeah. When it's not in her mouth, it's levitating in front of her. And it's really cool, and I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, same. I, I, that was a strange choice. Yeah, but then she, she blows smoke at the mom and then sucks up the smoke, thus, like, devouring the mom as smoke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just ate the mom. Ate, ate, like, inhaled her through her lungs. Yeah, which was cool, but, again, perplexing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then she, she grabs at his crotch with a Freddy glove. We go back to reality. His mom walks in on him. He's naked and dead on his bed. And Freddy says, the first time, you never forget it if you live. <laughs> and so do we think that he died from, like, like getting his dick ripped off? Or what, what do we think killed him? It's definitely a genital trauma situation. Because okay. okay. the top half of him looked... Great. It looked fine. It looks totally fine. And I couldn't figure out if that was the implication. Okay. All right. Well, now we know. It, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to dwell on that. <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke that is too gross, probably. So moving on to the second half of the episode. Um, Nicholas is at the funeral for Dana. Um, Caitlin shows up outside the church at the funeral. And Nicholas goes over to yell at her. Um He's basically like, what, you're here so you can get off on all the black clothing? And he, like, takes her sketchbook out of her hands and looks at a really great sketch of Freddy that she has done. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this girl She's has a, a future. Oh, yeah. Um, but he's basically, you know, he takes her stuff and he's making fun of her drawing. And she's like, don't touch me. And he's like, have you ever even been touched? Because you're so weird. Nobody likes you. <laughs> and then he takes a turn. It, he does. Um, so, real, Freddy's back. He rips through the drawing. He says, boy meets girl. Girl wants Freddy. Freddy wants blood because I never go steady. Um, yeah, I, it's one of his more solid poems. He's dropped a couple. He had a limerick once, and this is better than that. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so now we're, Caitlin is with Dr. DeVries because he's the only game in town. Um <laughs> Gosh, I just don't go to this guy. He clearly is a horrible therapist. Yeah, and and he mentions that he has done therapy for all of the adults who have lost their children in town. So first of all, business is booming. Mm-hmm. And that that's why Elm, like Springwood is so fucked up is cuz he's the only person in charge of the mental health in this town. <laughs> and he needs to be fired. He needs to be arrested. But yes. Fine. Um <laughs> But yeah, so she's, he's basically saying, like, 
you're scared to be normal and she's like i'm not normal being normal doesn't scare me it's too safe and bland that that's the point like i want to be scared Mm -hmm. um i want there to be a sense of danger in my life or excitement and she's like sunshine and sweetness just aren't on my menu (laughs) um so which you know respect i i totally respect that she's a real great character actually i love her i love i love her i think she's fascinating she really is. Like, again, she is the most compelling character, maybe in this season, but definitely in this episode. <laughs> oh, for sure. In this episode, yes. Um, yeah, so Nicholas shows up again to all of a sudden ask her out. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, what happened? Okay. So he shows up to talk to her, and she's like, where's your little girlfriend, the gum chewer? <laughs> <laughs> they hate that watermelon gum. It's so reprehensible. They hate it. I, um, by the way, this is where I started getting confused because I felt like she was going to the therapist office, falling asleep, and going and and seeing uh, what is his name, the guy who was like Chandler, um, Nicholas. Like, yeah, but like I felt like it was like in a weird order that I couldn't keep up with. Welcome to Freddy's nightmares. <laughs> okay, great. All right, all right, all right. Okay, great, 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 great. Yeah, the uh, the editing and structure is the absolute lowest point of this television show like as a whole <laughs> got it okay uh you just kind of gotta it's it's like one of those um see like eyeball dot puzzles where you're supposed to unfocus your eyes and then suddenly things come into focus <laughs> you just kind of gotta okay. go into a fugue state and let it wash over you <laughs> yeah that's that's i feel like yeah it's more like you're getting the idea of the episode rather than what the like every beat of the episode exactly <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, that's the recipe to, to survive one of these. Um, but this is the part that you mentioned earlier where she talks about how she respects Freddy because he had power. He made people afraid of him. And she's like, in this world, you are a wolf or you are a sheep. And I don't want to be a sheep, so I've made myself into a wolf. Um, yeah, and cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it has its teenage profundity to it, which is really sweet. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I like about it. It's like a very like strong. It's a strong character choice. I I, I feel like it it makes sense for her. It works for me. For yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Nicholas invites her to go to the Overlook, which is Springwood's makeout point. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I find Nicholas a completely reprehensible character, mainly because of this scene where he's like, "Oh yeah, look, I don't make this kind of offer every day." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this was also that era of TV where, unfortunately, like, it was very bad education for people because no did not mean no, ever. Yeah, you, so, like, you she was like, I don't want to Yeah, I don't want to go. And he was like, come on. She's like, I, I really don't want to go. And he's like, let's do it. And she was like, well, maybe. Like, it, like, like, so, like, it just was, yeah, he just had to wear her down instead of listening to her because... In this world, no didn't mean no, because at the end, she did get worn down. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's the saddest thing about it. And, like, worn down to the point of completely d- digressing from the personality that is so interesting about her. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah. Well, okay, well, but first, she's back at her house. She has no parents. They are gone. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, but she's she's listening to a truly great instrumental 80s bop. Um, then the, the DJ comes in, played by Robert England, um, and he's like, and that was Baby You Carve My Heart by Giant Human Sandwich, <laughs> which is very funny. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, and basically, it's like, well, this song was dedicated by 
who was it dedicated? Was it dedicated by Freddie? Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it was Freddie. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's it's telling her, like, this is for Caitlin, telling you not to go out with that useless spud boy, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is a spud boy? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, this is where we get the potato-based slurs that continue through the episode and is extremely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, is it set in Idaho? What is it? Is it set in Idaho? Why is it? Why is he? Why is it potato based? I don't know. And they, much in the way that they inexplicably hate watermelon gum, they hate potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so she's back with the analyst, <laughs> and he's saying, like, well, this dream you had about Freddie being on the radio, it's just your subconscious trying to negatively reinforce because you're afraid of normalcy. You're afraid to go on this perfectly normal date with a perfectly normal boy. And I'm just like, um, excuse me, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, this boy is terrible. He doesn't believe in consent and she doesn't have to go. <laughs> she doesn't have to go. And now the therapist is encouraging her to go or forcing her to go. None of these people want to listen to her. And also, this is so weird, but in this scene, because of like, it must have been the mix that we watched. Because again, the music is intolerably loud for the <laughs> entire episode. Like there are just so many moments where I was like, huh? Like what are they even saying? All I can hear is guitars. And for some reason in this therapist scene, you could hear cars driving by. Yeah, the 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 Foley art, the, the background track is sometimes inexplicably deafening. <laughs> It sounded like we were on a freeway. Like, I was like, is this therapist's office in a the back of a truck? Like, it was so <laughs> weird. And I think it was actually just the mix. Because that's the only explanation. Because who would say... I mean, there's a lot of weird choices in this. So I guess it could possibly be the choice. But what are you trying to tell us here? Yeah, or maybe they were like, oh, we're not confident about this scene, like, script-wise. Let's just bump up everything else. <laughs> or the whole episode, I guess. I don't know. Um, oh, so, so so next scene, Nicholas and Suki are now making out, even though he has been obsessively following after Caitlin. Again, to- he is toxic. Mm-hmm, yes, very. Um, and they're making out, or he's trying to make out with Suki in the back of the library. And she's like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, <laughs> come on, baby. It's the Asian culture section. Nobody comes back here. And I'm oh. just like, that's horrible. So but rude. also So rude. But also that tracks because Springwood is the whitest town in the world. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, so Suki does storm off and respect for Suki. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your watermelon gum somewhere else. Yeah. Someone who appreciates that watermelon smell. Yeah. You could find almost anyone who does just outside of this small town, I guess. <laughs> like maybe they have a rival gum factory that makes spearmint. So they have like this rivalry. <laughs> that's that's you know what i'd watch that episode that sounds fascinating yeah like a romeo and juliet spearmint versus watermelon (laughs) family situation yeah it has a little like halloween three in there or something you know like the factory the town factory situation oh hell yeah that would yeah no i'm write this down copyright 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 (laughs) mail it to myself um okay so basically so Suki leaves, Caitlin shows up, and he's immediately pulled into dreamland somehow. Yeah. Um, he's back in this kind of, like, sewer set that they use a lot. He's tied to some sort of sewer wheel. <laughs> um, and she does something with a straight razor that I'm incredibly unclear on. Because it doesn't no make him bleed. 
but also it doesn't shave him. So I don't, I don't, what, what do you think happened? I, 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 I'm not sure. I think this is that weird thing of like, I don't know, girl, girls with knives are sexy and like, like alternative girls with knives. So it was just like, they wanted that in there. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. It feels like a weird fantasy that someone is living out that we, we are not privy to or something. Totally fair. Um, the next fantasy, um, she starts to spin the wheel. <laughs> Definitely a kink there. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that is a thing. Uh, it must mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Freddie shows up um, in an upside down shot, which is fun. Um, he's like all dressed up and nowhere to die. And then he like slashes Nicholas. And then mm-hmm. Caitlin wakes up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is where it's just completely confusing about who's asleep and who's awake. It's, it makes no sense. Or even who is the protagonist of this part of the episode? <laughs> yeah, because we were just with Nicholas and she wasn't even there in the library. So, yeah, what, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a mystery. But then she looks at her drawing of Freddie and she's like, oh, I never expected jealousy from you. Um, and she turned the page. She turns the page of her sketchbook and Freddie has scrawled on the page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like he suddenly is the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah, you have to expect him to burst through her wall. <laughs> um, but so she decides, she talks to the analyst, she decides to take on Freddy in her dream. So it's like, oh, I guess she is the protagonist now. She's final girling it up. Um, she's doing her Nancy Thompson thing. She mm-hmm. goes to sleep. She takes some pills to sleep to go and attack Freddy on his own turf. Um, she wakes up in a car Um which is a great something corporate song. I woke up in a car, but anyway, Mm. um, but everything in the car is sharp. So everything she touches slices her. I I will say I did love this car and I loved that. It's just like this weird, like dream verse dream universe where it's just, there's nothing around. It's just like on a, it's clearly shot on like a black sound, like soundstage where everything Mm -hmm. is just like not lit, but I kind of loved it. Like it was kind of cool. Yeah. And the, the, the concept here is actually like pretty nightmarish and terrifying of like everything you touch like can pierce your skin yeah yeah horrifying horrifying yeah so they made the right choice here um and then like a cop one doesn't even stop her because the car's not moving Mm -hmm. um but then the cop is replaced by freddie who hops into the car um and Basically, okay, something I haven't super mentioned is that there's this kind of running gag that, like, oh, Freddie is her boyfriend. Um, yeah. And then Freddie, like, leans into it, and he's like, let's make mouth music. And cool. starts, like, making out with her. And first of all, ew. Yeah, um, yeah, listen, y'all, don't use that as a pickup line. It is it is not sexy. Yeah, second of all, that's called singing. <laughs> <laughs> true, very true. Um. But yeah, it, it's really gross. You know, Freddie's doing his, like, I'm your boyfriend now thing. But then we pull back to reality. Nicholas kind of bursts in on her home because he is a monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it turns out she has OD'd on barbiturates. barbiturates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by the way, they just let him go in there. They let him go in. And then at some point they're like, he was like, I got to see the body. And they were like, you can't be in here. Okay, fine. Look at the body. Look at the body. And then he's like, you want to see something crazy? It's just like the craziest yeah. ending. Look, he knows how to wear people down, including all these crime scene people. It's true. And he gets to see her dead body. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And then, and then Freddie says, if love is the drug, just say no. 
Um, yeah, and, and, and she has something carved into her chest, right? What something? Oh, yeah. Oh God, I, I didn't write it down. I, I yeah, should I have. It's something about like it's it's her name is involved. It's like Caitlin something 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 evil. Yeah, something. Yeah, but the fact that they, I just love that they're like, sure, random teenager, come in here and look at what this girl carved into her chest before she died. <laughs> yeah. like, that's the ending of the episode. Yeah, and the the photographer guy is kind of into it. Like he's he's not acting like a crime scene photographer. He's acting like a photo shoot like model photographer. He's like, yeah, baby, go for it. You look beautiful, gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So all in all, final thoughts. Was this episode a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep? Well, I think think because of the Caitlyn character, it was a dream. It was so... I like watching a goth girl with, with, you know, sort of um, this weird freaky side to her. You know, there are parts of her that obviously are very cliched, but I, I I, kind of enjoyed her, and I enjoyed that she was the protagonist of this because I think, you know, any 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 girl who grew up, you know, shaving her head and doing weird stuff with her hair and all that kind of stuff, like, I, I, I liked seeing her on screen as the as a sort of protagonist. Sometimes she was, sometimes she wasn't. Yeah, like, I, I totally agree. For me, this is a dream with that heavy, heavy caveat of the incredibly disgusting sexual politics that are going like kind of swirling around which because i wasn't a teenager in the 80s i'm like are those real or are those just what adults thought 80s boys were like i have no idea i neither do i yeah Um, like were 80s boys actually being like you gotta make out with me in the back of the life i think they probably were actually which is really unfortunate probably um but yeah no so so that part is extremely icky but I do think mm-hmm. that this, like like you said, that character is really well written. I think there are some memorable lines here. Like, all in all, it is a completely enjoyable episode if, you know, with that with that big caveat. Yeah, there's so many funny lines, so many things these guys, like the Spud Boy, like, that's so <laughs> yeah, stupid. I like, why? Spud Boy already. Don't forget about Spud Boy. And then there was one part I wrote down, this guy, one of the guys said, look, I'm going to be in deep chocolate if I don't get out of this. And I was like, deep chocolate? Because <laughs> I guess they couldn't say shit or something. I don't know, but it's just so stupid that I was like, that's funny. I, I like that the writers kind of went there. Oh, yeah. Um, and, sorry? And, well, just the only thing I was going to say that isn't, it's kind of a little incomprehensible uh, was that she was so shocked that this very evil man, Freddy Krueger, could be jealous. And I was like, yeah, obviously he's going to be jealous. Like, she seemed to, like, not totally understand the depth of his evilness. Oh, yeah, and she was shocked that he wanted to murder Nicholas rather than scare him. And I'm like, Have you, did you not read the book that you checked out three times? <laughs> you love this book. You lo- You think this guy's a god. You should know a little bit more about his personality. That's like the one, that's the his one job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh, so what uh, I was going to say about the, oh, yeah, the deep chocolate thing in particular. Like, if this show and this episode had gotten a chance to be more popular, like if, if Indiana Jones had not come out this weekend and this show, like, had the ratings... Um, it could have influenced pop culture slang in the way that Clueless did. Like, there's so much crammed into this one episode. So much. They were really, this writer was like, I know how teens talk. And, like, really went for it. And I, I like that. I, in the same way that I like Clueless. That, 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 that really, like, hits home for me. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it, it is a fun teeny bopper kind of situation. Yeah. And I do like, because this was the season finale. It was interesting that it, 
it was just another episode, but I do like it was the, I do like that it was a Freddy forward episode because they do kind of sprinkle him into the total plot more than normal. Yeah, and and he doesn't show up in every episode, right? I mean, in the actual he he's in like the wraparounds, but he's not in the actual stories mostly, right? That's correct. Like as far as showing up in the stories, it's probably like a fifteen to twenty percent kind of deal. Got it. Okay. Um, he does yeah. have his his moments in the sun, but not not frequently. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the few times that someone is kind of like obsessed with him as like a pop. Well, I guess she didn't think of him as a pop culture icon. It was it was she was obsessed with him because of how dark and evil he was, and she was like literally interested in his evilness. And that doesn't we don't see that very often in the nightmare movies. No, I, and I don't think we've seen that before in the show. Like, a lot of people do talk about Freddy. He's kind of, because all of them take place in Springwood, and he's kind of this notorious, you know, urban legend figure of Springwood. But he's mostly the boogeyman. Like, no one's been into him as a positive figure in any way. Right, right. And this is, like, the, like, the women who are, like, writing letters to Charles Manson or something. Yeah. Like, she's that, she's that person. And, like... I think that's kind of an interesting, weird take on Freddy Krueger. Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. It, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it it reminds me of Peter Jackson originally was going to write the script for Freddy's Dead, which was the sixth one, and mm-hmm. that one I think had an element of that. Like his script had kind of like a cult of Freddy fanatics that I wish had been made. Um, but at least we have this, right? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to watch that actually. That sounds oh really good. Yeah, me too. Or at least a, a stage reading of that script or something. Like, <laughs> yes. let it free. Um, yes. But okay, Bria, um, where can everybody find you at on the internet? Where can they find your movie, your podcast, your graphic novel, all all the things? Oh my god, do, just do me a favor and Google Twelve Hour Shift and go purchase it. Or Depending on where you are in the country, you can go see it at some drive-ins. I think some movie theaters, but I, I don't I don't know where those are, and I don't encourage you to go risk your life to see this movie. So stay at home and uh, <laughs> order order a nice pizza or something, and uh, and and watch Twelve Hour Shift. I would really appreciate it. And then um, day after tomorrow, literally day after tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. Um, uh, you can read my graphic novel, which is called Mary, and you can get that anywhere online. It's it's a graphic novel. So any bookstore, I encourage you to shop at bookshop.org because it um, supports your local bookstores, but you can get it on Amazon or any place that you that you shop. As you should. Um, also, where, where can they find Reading Glasses, your podcast? Anywhere you listen to podcasts, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Probably. The app on your phone that says podcast? I don't know. It's called Reading Glasses and it's a book podcast and um, I do it every week with Mallory O'Mara and we've been doing it for like three years or something. So lot lot of reading episodes about books for you to check out. And even if you're not a reader, it's a great way to get a kind of finger on the pulse of the book community in general. And like, if you haven't touched a book in five years, it's still worth your time. Like it is a great podcast in general. <laughs> yeah. We, we really encourage that too, for people who feel like they don't have time to read or, or they're like, how do I, how do I read a book this year? Like you could listen to our podcast and, 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 figure out how to do that. Like we talk about how hard it is to read. That's one of our big things. Absolutely. Um, I, I will stop waxing poetic cause I don't want to be a brown noser. Um, <laughs> but a, a spud boy, if you will. <laughs> and I will. Um, but yes, just a reminder, 
Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to the Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Rate and review us wherever you get us. Uh, next episode, which will sadly not have Bria Grant, but we'll have another fabulous guest. Um, we're rounding the horn for season two, episode one. Episode's called Dream Come True. A distraught mother enlists the aid of a psychiatrist on a talk show to help her son, who's having nightmares about Freddy Krueger. Soon, the doctor finds Freddy's, Freddy's gotten inside of his head, too. Meanwhile, a cameraman sets out to prove the existence of Kruger, but he becomes a little too personally involved in his own news story. That sounds complicated, and I'm ready for it. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that'll be next Tuesday. Until then, you know, have <laughs> sleep tight, everybody. Bye-bye.